The one which is, uh, I would say, salient is competition. We see quite a lot of people uh, have a need for that. Uh, now, competition could be, uh, let's say, the one company to another company. So if you're if you're in a competitive market, people then will easily uh, have that need fulfilled. Welcome to the new HR, a podcast for HR professionals who strive for more than just compliance and paperwork. We believe that HR is at the heart of any organization, so our show is all about meaningful conversations with HR tech founders and high performers who are driving change in the industry. From employee journeys to HR platforms and wellness in the evolving corporate world, we cover it all. Now, here's your host, Mark Jackson. Hello, I'm Mark Jackson. I'm the host of The New HR, and today we have Matthias Halberg, who is an experienced CTO and Director of Research and Development for Attune Business. Uh, Matthias has a strong background in IT, software development. He specializes in building high-performance technical teams and managing cultural differences. Matthias holds certifications in machine learning, project management, Scrum, and ITIL Foundation. Tuned helps companies build happier and more productive workplaces through science-backed data and AI, uncovering deep and actionable insights on what their employees need to be more engaged with and fulfilled at work. Hello. Nice to see you. Hello. Thanks, Mark. Nice. So let's let's dive right in. Um, it's been a, a while we've been trying to arrange the, uh, the call. So uh, can you just share a few things just about your background and what's brought you to where you are today? Uh, certainly, yeah. I've been working for many different uh, sizes of companies, also uh, different industries, uh, heavy machinery, uh, advertising, um, a bit of uh, startup in automotive industry, et cetera. And uh, uh, during that, I've been doing uh, research as well, both in Sweden and in Japan. So, um, well, uh, it's been quite a long um, time. I've been in Japan, totally about 25 years now, uh, working for different corporations. So I've seen quite a lot, seen a lot of different teams, uh, a lot of different management structures. And um, I think uh, to me, the big learning has been to uh, really focus on the people and understanding you as a manager, what you can do for them, uh, not trying to go to the command and control style, but more of a uh, humble listener. So uh, I think that is really what's, uh, what I can see has been successful. And uh, that's really, I think, uh, the reason why I also started working for Attune, because they really are focusing in this niche market to uh, really, really deeply understand people and uh, make the workplace uh, much better. I like that term, humble listener. Yes, sir. That's a, that's a good good term. So, what is a tune, and who's getting the most value from it? Right. I think uh, the value actually could be for anyone in the organization. Um, to begin with, um, we have an onboarding assessment. It's just ten minutes, where the uh, respondent will explain what matters to them. Uh, it's a questionnaire. It takes about yeah ten minutes, and after that, they will have a list of uh, their top priorities, like motivators, and uh, they can read also about uh, what type of job environment that they will thrive in and potentially uh, job environments that they will struggle in. 
So they will certainly understand more about themselves. Uh, next, the, the manager will look at each uh, employee's report and understand how they can work uh, with them uh, much better, so understanding them deeply. And members uh, also will understand uh, their peers. So if you're working on a, let's say, a project or in a team setting, it's often that you have to work with people that you might not get along with. And sometimes that's puzzling to you. Why is that happening? Why, you know, this skilled person and, and me, why can't we get along? So I think that insight, the mutual awareness, is another great value that anyone can get. Uh, and last but not least, the top management. They will look at the whole organization, understanding also uh, not just the motivational side, but also engagement. So assisting work engagement is uh, really, I think, it's a corporate need to understand uh, the productivity in organization and how much more can we uh, essentially get out of the, the workforce, uh, how much latent, latent power is there. And uh, that is, of course, important when it comes to budgeting and hiring and anything. So I think anyone at any level will find value using a chip. That's interesting. The, um, would you say when people are onboarded, um, um, I know this is antidotally, but generally speaking, do you think people have a good uh, um, you know, awareness of exactly how they like to work? Like people may say, you know, I don't like to work with a micromanaging boss or you know, I like to be independent, but just from a 360 view, do people really have a, a good sense of how they like to work, what type of teams they like to work on, or is this, um, you know, is, is this a bit of a realization when they go through the process? Yeah, I think it's quite common that you have uh, a bit of a realization. It's a bit of a discovery. So um, I think the the um, the most important thing normally is known to you. For instance, if you uh, feel autonomous, you would know that autonomy is a top one. It, it's not. It's not a maybe a surprise, but sometimes the bottom ones, that could be quite interesting. Like what is lowest on my list of priorities? And that also uh, would speak to them. Like why would I have, for instance, security as my bottom one? So I don't really care about processes. You know, Rules, regulations are there, but not really uh, for me to make myself feel more comfortable. So I think both will kind of teach them the top and the bottom. And when they're working with the people, that they may not necessarily like initially. Yeah. Um, how does 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 a platform when you're on a team does it share the other uh, personalities, working personalities, so you have a sense of who you're working yeah. with? So we we don't really do with it's not a personality test, uh, uh, similar to uh, MBTI and and those. Uh, so we're really focusing on what matters to people, and it, it's not about the behavior. So it's more of your top priorities, which could um, be very useful, for instance, uh, if you have a decision to make in a team. And some people will be maybe focusing on uh, the uncovering the logic behind a decision, like looking at the data and making sense of it. Other people are more creative and they think, well, hey, let's just try, let's just do it. You know, what, what's the problem? What's, what's holding you back? Um, so that is the typical conflict that will happen. So uh, those two people, uh, one being more innovative and one being more logical, uh, by understanding each other's different motivators, they can then overcome that. So they try to have to negotiate and agree on uh, on the course of action instead of just pushing for their own things, which is very, very common. And actually, I think it also happens without um, being conscious about it. It's a natural state to push for your things. You think that's the right way. 
and you don't really recognize the other person's way of doing things. So obviously people over a period of time, they change sometimes quickly, sometimes over a prolonged period of time, getting married, buying a home, having your first child or something of that nature. Right. Does does the platform, is, is there like regular check-ins or do you redo the entire onboarding process on a regular basis or how do you? That's a great question. So we do pulse surveys, which is a monthly kind of check-in, see if you uh, have satisfaction regarding your motivators um, and regarding the change part. So we do, um, I would say yearly is a good frequency. Uh, we do retakes and um, then you can look at uh, what has changed from you know one year to another and uh, you can ask yourself why does it happen uh, I think COVID brought about a lot of changes in people's lives and uh, we saw uh, on a global scale uh, you know really what changed in the market it was kind of interesting um, there was um, of course uh, you know depending on the market there were different changes but um, we might have assumed that uh, let's say social relationships would have been going up just because people have less uh, interaction. Uh, that might have happened in some markets, but not, not in all markets. So um, people are affected differently by uh, external factors, uh, but certainly uh, there is change. You, you mentioned getting a child, things like that, your family situation changes. That will maybe hit, the, let's say, the financial needs a bit. So uh, you want to have more stability in your life because you're now supporting your child. So. Uh, that needs to be, be recognized by the employer that things changed and now we need to be a bit bit more careful, let's say goal settings or career paths, et cetera, that would just have to change. Okay. Um, how Can you explain a little bit about how Tune uses data to uncover deep insights just beyond the questions itself? How, did it, how does it go beyond that and get deeper insights about employee motivation and needs? Right. So, um, so basically, we have a ranking structure so that everyone will have questions about all the available motivators. And uh, you will rank them against each other so that uh, you will have a, a list of what matters to you. And also, we compare with other people so you will understand what percentile you are in. That gives us a pretty good map of, of a person and how they relate to other persons and how they also relate to a group of persons, and particularly with a manager which is often a conflict, social conflict. The manager might just um, move forward and using their management style without recognizing that they have a kind of a blind spot. So we're really uncovering those details and presenting that to managers so that they will uh, be aware and cognizant uh, about that and pay attention to it when they interact with people. So uh, it's... um. You know, a lot of data in there that we need to make sense of. Uh, and also, that's also what we're using AI, uh, which maybe is another type deep question for you to ask, but I can maybe continue on that one because I think it's really connected. Have sure, listened. go, just just keep going and anything you want to share on the AI side. So essentially, uh, we are able to measure work engagement uh, because we have collected data on, on that in the past. So... We know um, there's a very complicated link between uh, intrinsic motivation and work engagement. Uh, it's difficult because uh, what matters to people, as I said, is different. So uh, it's hard just to have uh, like an if-then type of case, logically speaking. That's what we need AI. AI will make sense of 
or data that's uh, really uh, difficult to interpret. So that's what we have it. So basically, the pulse survey will um, explain uh, your satisfaction for different motivators, and that will then be input into the AI. And the AI will tell if you are engaged or not engaged. So that, that's uh, how we kind of look at that big set of data and, and make sense of it. Um, earlier, just you were talking about uh, blind spots. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, you think about, I guess, I guess the employee base first in terms of blind spots in terms of how they're working and, and their perception and engagement. But can you talk a little bit about management blind spots uh, in terms of um, really, uh, because obviously they're going through the same process and the same learnings and I imagine the same, you know, epiphanies in terms of their own work style and, and blind spots. Um, can you share a little bit about how that might impact management and, and any any data or, or feedback you have on that? Uh, well, um, let's say a manager that, uh, well, you of course have managers and managers as well. So any, any type of uh, relationship like that, I think uh, my point of will be valid. So for instance, if you think of a person who is um, very motivated by feedback, they need feedback to know if they're on the right path, uh, they need actually both negative and positive to kind of stay on track. Um, but another, let's say the manager of that person uh, are not at all motivated by it, so they won't pay attention. Now, if an employee or um, a manager working for another manager is not getting uh, that need fulfilled, they might feel left out. So they might feel like uh, no one is really caring for them. Um, there's no um, reconnection, no you know, feedback loop going on. So uh, they um, might even look for a new job because of that. They think that you know, all this effort is wasted. That no one you know, uh, recognizes my achievement and you know, why, why am I here? Um, so I think in, in, in management, that's a very, very uh, common thing that you don't know, uh, you don't need something, and then you don't pay attention to what other people need. So that could easily be fixed by recognizing that. And uh, next time you have a one-on-one, you, well, you just look at that uh, tip and uh, tell yourself, all right, I will give this person now some feedback, uh, honest feedback, but definitely I won't, I won't forget it, uh, which normally is well-received. And people sometimes get surprised, like, oh, really, thank you. It's good. I didn't expect that from you. Because so far, they never got anything. So, um, yeah, I think that's kind of a key to pay attention to those gaps uh, in your management, uh, uh, day-to-day management or staff, and uh, just ensure that you you, uh, you you really do that. You don't forget it. Yeah, definitely one size does not fit all. So having those little cues and almost like a little cheat sheet cue card in terms of, you know, how to best engage with individual employee one-on-one yeah. would be powerful. You have, I, I believe you have 11 e motivational factors uh, that affect people in workplaces in your system. Can you expand on any of these factors, the, the top top three or any that you, you want to talk about today that are, are powerful? Yeah. The one which is, uh, I would say, salient is competition. We see quite a lot of people uh, have a need for that. Uh, now, competition could be, uh, let's say, the one company to another company. So if you're if you're in a competitive market, people then will easily uh, have that need fulfilled. But if you're not in a competitive market, what, what uh, type of competition can you offer? Would that be between people, or is it more setting a, a challenging target and let everyone uh, you know 
try their best to hit it? Or would you just display where people are so they know, okay, uh, I know where I am, and uh, like a leaderboard, right? So in many ways they're doing that. So I think that's a very, very common one that we see a lot. Uh, another thing is, um, well, um, globally speaking, we have uh, social relationships. It could be autonomy, um, but also quite strong, uh, depending on the culture. Uh, and um, yeah, otherwise, I would say innovation is very much a key to many research organizations. Uh, it could be coders. Uh, they need to have that creative environment. Otherwise, they really don't feel that they they have uh, fun. Uh, you know, they can express themselves. Um, and also progress uh, to make it very clear that you are moving forward. That's another quite important one for uh, research organizations or like development. Uh, but um, sales, I would say, uh, typically competition will be uh, one of the most important things to always... You know, Try to get that deal closed. Uh, working uh, with, with different uh, customers, try to get quotations sent out. All of those things are quite important for them. Um, so, um, uh, if you, you let's say you're in a hiring mode and, and you try to find salespeople uh, to hire, and and you you have them take the assessment, and they score extremely low on competition, uh, I think it's really good to ask the uh, the candidate. So. Regarding competition, how do you feel about that? If the answer comes back saying, well, you know, I just want to take it easy and focus on my own thing, sit in my cubicle, maybe that guy is not good for a sales position. So I think um, rather than screening, you can probably come up with a few good questions to ask them and uncover that before they're hired. So I think, yeah, certainly uh, depending on what you do, uh, certain motivators kind of pop. And uh -huh. Focusing on that uh, as part of the role when hiring or when replacing people in different teams will give you some extra insights. So I think that's uh, it's a good uh, uh, rule of thumb from for managers to look at those uh, when they hire in and place people in teams. Can you share some effective ways to motivate teams and keeping them and keep them engaged, especially during challenging times? Uh, right. Uh, well. Um, it, I think it comes back to uh, to what matters to people. So if, um, uh, I think any type of crisis situation, uh, normally people go back to uh, their own values. Uh, like they, they really look at, uh, uh, well, again, kind of, I feel, I feel like a broken record, but what matters to them is quite important, right? So so let's say the top three, that, that's something that they will focus on. So uh, you as a manager, when, when things get really tough, uh, people are likely to gravitate towards that, and that will just happen naturally. So uh, if you had a, a great team spirit before, that might be disrupted because people are now not interested in those other things. They just want to care about the top ones. So knowing that, I think you are uh, in a good situation to deal with whatever is coming. And um, uh, for instance, the feedback part, you might need to do more of that if a person is, is very much motivated by it. Uh, or let's say security, like uh, pro procedures, etc. Maybe they, they've been affected by whatever happened. So people uh, having a great need of that, they will feel very much ins insecure, right? So how do you fix that? Well, you might have to sit down and clarify this to the to them. That things aren't that chaotic. After all, you, you, we have rules, and then you um, come back to me if you have any question regarding what's happening now. 
Uh, so, uh, yeah, depending on um, those external factors, there will be uh, changes happening. And you just need to think of those changes. How will they affect the motivators? What can I do as a manager to ensure that they still are satisfied on that level? Okay, that's great. The the one that popped into my mind it, initially, definitely in the in the past two years, is probably index your communication level higher. Obviously, you'll have tweaks by each individual, but you you probably would index a little bit towards over communicating when right, people right. are Definitely. insecure and going through a through a challenging time. Um, how about uh, cultural differences? They they can certainly be a challenge. How do you approach this aspect when building uh, high performance technical teams? I would bring in another concept, which is psychological safety, uh, to be reassured that um, all nationalities will have the right to speak up and uh, not be criticized for that. So, uh, I think uh, the so-called Western culture is is quite, uh, you know, okay to speak up, even to point out errors um, when when they feel there's a need. But other cultures, uh, I've been in Asia for quite a long time, I see that many people are holding back. And if you mix these people in the same team, it's likely that the Asian people will be very quiet, not speak up, and the Western people will just speak all the time. So um, you can't let them, you know, hijack meetings. Uh, you need to facilitate that and ensure that uh, the environment is psychologically safe. And uh, that takes time. So they have to have to build trust so that um, if they do speak up, you, you know, be very careful about that low voice and you need to make that voice grow. So over time, there's still uh, no hesitation speaking up. So I think the balance of you know, who's talking the most and um, being able to uh, to bring in those people <clears throat> silent into the discussion is key and be very careful about not uh, pointing in errors, uh, you know, typically the uh, psychologically, psychologically unsafe way of, of doing management that should be avoided at all costs. Yeah, even across cultural lines, you know, it's it's generally the extroverts that are probably the loudest and really in the movement and can, can suck up all the oxygen. And like you said, there's probably a lot of really good feedback, um, some gold in those people that are just oh, yeah. silently sitting there. Just because they're holding back, it doesn't mean that they don't know anything. So, yeah. That's, oh, actually, yeah, they probably are better listeners in many ways and probably have right. more to add. Right, right. Uh, but they're waiting for the person to pause, and quite often those yeah. extroverts just don't pause. <laughs> they just right. call it. So typically, I use this open and close technique, typical facilitation. So like, okay, Lisa, now you've been talking for five minutes straight. You know, let's let's have uh, some other person that can come in here and see what he thinks. So you do the closing and then the opening, and naturally they will kind of understand what's, okay, now I got my cue. I understand. I was talking too much. Sorry. All right. Here we go. Go, Ken. That's great. That's a great tip. Um, what 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 role would you say uh, does machine learning play in understanding and addressing team motivation in the workplace? Yeah. Uh, I think the, the relationship between uh, the different data points is quite tricky. So we need um, machine learning to make those predictions clear. Uh, there could be many, many type of data points we get uh, from an organization, uh, and uh, we can try to correlate that with some type of outcome. Uh, let's say uh, turnover, the, the risk of someone leaving, right? 
um, if you have the data um, over the, over the years, you know who's been leaving the company, and also you have other type of data for um, well motivation, engagement, and and these things. Maybe um, could be uh, things like how how much overtime, uh, sick days, um, of course, gender, and so on, age groups. All of those data will be uh, having some type of impact effect on that outcome. But how to make sense of it is really tricky. Uh, but machine learning can just do that uh, in a sense by itself because you can train a system. You feed it the inputs and you say, well, that was the output I wanted. Now do that again with a new input that I won't tell you the output. So you just train it up and um, if you have enough data, then you get pretty high accuracy. So uh, I think that's a really brilliant way of making sense of data that you just couldn't do before. You would not be able to uh, accurately predict something because Excel, et cetera, you just couldn't do it. So I think uh, it really could help people to make sense of the data. That's great. Can you share a story perhaps of uh, where Attune Solutions made a significant impact uh, on team motivation throughout an organization? Right. Uh, we have a, a customer called Alphas. Uh, they, um, uh, it's a startup and uh, they have teams uh, spread across the globe, technical startup. Uh, and uh, they were uh, really curious, uh, you know, what what is uh, the different culture, well, the differences between the teams and locations. Because, uh, of course, you have communication. It's almost like a 360, uh, follow the sun type of development. And... Uh, if you don't have good communication, then it just won't work. Uh, and to know really uh, what uh, what matters to people, they needed a tune. So uh, it's been played a very important part in their uh, development process, the HR, uh, to understand that. And uh, they are much, much more uh, communicative because you can then use that information wisely. Um, Another company, they were looking for uh, making a, a new incentive program. Uh, but um, incentive programs could be quite costly. So uh, what should you focus on? What's the, uh, let's say, key driver? And specifically, they had knowledge about intrinsic motivation, so they wanted to know how can we leverage that? How can we make people motivated by these incentives? Uh, so um, by using a tune, they would know that before launching the program. So that uh, they could be could be much more effective. So it's kind of a, a tailor-made solution that uh, was built on top of the knowledge delivered by Attune. Okay, that's great. Um, obviously, you're, you're serving up a lot of data on individual employees to people that are using your system. Are there specific, like you do, you have a weighting system? Like, are there specific metrics or indicators? that an HR manager could focus on to assess and improve team motivation effectively, or do you, do you serve that up? Yeah, we, we call that the, the uh, motivation satisfaction. So um, it's essentially those uh, different motivators, how much of it I'm getting and how much o o over time also. So it's a time series that you can, you can look at. And uh, for instance, in, in HR organization, if they're looking at, uh, well, that pick financial needs, they might uh, have that uh, responsibility. So if they look at a trend, like um, uh, 
what's happening with that. Actually, the company I mentioned, Alphas, they, they were looking at, at this particular motivator and they saw that it was dropping. Um, oh. It was dropping months and months. The people were less satisfied with it. And being a development organization, they know that people are uh, likely to, to jump ship uh, if they're not paid fairly. So they quickly made adjustments. And they saw that it was in picking up again. And um, they uh, saved those people that might have left. So uh, I think those KPIs are really good um, to look at each of those and see the fulfillment. And it's um, also effective use of your funds because it is on guesswork. You don't have to try something and see if it works, but you have that data. You know it's not working right now, so you can do something about it uh, without that guesswork. Yeah, interesting. Um, I guess this is just kind of one of my wrap-up questions. It's, it's kind of a big one. From your perspective, what does the future of work look like? Um, and how can companies prepare for it? Right. Uh, I think, uh, well, I guess uh, this podcast wouldn't be um, doing a good job unless we also talked a bit about uh, ChatGPT and those tools because they are really affecting uh, organizations and it's very much an AI thing. Um, so looking at that, like how how is that affecting people, AI generally speaking? Uh, I think, um, uh, you know, that type of tool, of course, is going to uh, improve uh, a lot of workplaces, uh, increase efficiency, uh, but you won't quite understand uh, your needs. You will understand a task, what to do, but uh, still, that part, I think the relationship between humans is something is very difficult to copy. Uh, and um, I think that part will continue to be very important. Uh, that the, you know, the more people are, uh, or the knowledge workers particularly, uh, are working, um, say, from home or a type of hybrid model, uh, you need quickly to understand how to uh, communicate with people. Uh, there's no time to waste. And maybe also because of these tools now that things that used to take a week, now you can experiment, you can pivot a new idea in hours. So uh, people are requested to speed up. But if you're speeding up too much without knowing uh, where you're heading, you're going to crash, right? So I think uh -huh. we're going to see a lot of conflicts uh, at the workplace unless people pay attention uh, to those uh, interpersonal relationships. Okay, that's great. Good, uh, good feedback for sure. Uh, yeah, ChatGPT is is definitely interesting. It's it's um, you know out there and everybody is experiencing, but it's it's been around for a while. Um, I was talking to a, a platform yesterday, and they had the foundations of ChatGPT uh, kind of under the under the covers for the last eight years. Well, yeah, that's that's a long time. Yeah, yeah, I had yeah. I had no idea, but obviously. It's kind of out there and exposed to all of us, and we can yeah. uh, test yeah. it and do all kinds of uh, interesting things with it. Um, well, thanks very much for your time. Uh, much appreciated. I, I appreciate your, your thoughts and input in terms of how to make work more successful with with our teams. How, uh, where can people learn more about you and get in? We'll, we'll include some links as well in the, in the show notes. I will encourage people to reach out on LinkedIn. Uh, gladly make a connection there. And uh, otherwise, uh, yeah, sometimes I join pod podcasts like this, great one. So that's that's one way of, of uh, listening to what I have to say. 
Uh, otherwise, we do publish uh, blog posts on our website, so you can read some of them as well. That's great. Well, thanks, Mateus. And uh, thanks very much for your time. And then wrapping up, uh, just for uh, all the kids out there that are, are old or young or you know building the next fast platform in the basement, and especially saying to all of all, to my kids, uh, stay curious, everyone. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in to The New HR. We hope this episode has given you some fresh perspectives and practical ideas for improving your workplace. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to connect with us. And before you go, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and our YouTube channel so you don't miss any episodes. Until next time.